0: Welcome to part two of The Moment, Jason McCartney. In part one, Jason was horribly injured in the 2002 Bali bombings. So when in this whole process do you think, right, I want to keep playing footy?
1: I must admit, whilst I was going through the rehab in the build-up to the wedding, <coughs> and the focus, like, all I'd ever talked to Narissa about was the wedding, because keep the bride happy. But I... It was before the wedding I'd thought about... Yeah, I definitely want to get back to footy. I just felt in my own mind, physically and mentally, to, to make a full recovery from what had happened, I felt like I just had to get back and do what I was doing beforehand.
2: Training with the boys is what Jason McCartney focused on to inspire his recovery. The 28 year olds living his dream, pressure garments under his clothing, the only visible reminder of what he's been through.
1: With the grafts uh, being behind the knees and that a bit, I suppose a bit sceptical whether I was going to be able to kick or whatever, but yeah, I didn't touch the footy much at all before Christmas and that, but now it's great to be out here. That first session back, I had garments on on both my legs, uh, both my arms, both the hands, and I'll never forget jogging around that morning very slowly in the warm-up lap. First day? Yep, first day in January, and it was, it was dewy. And someone kicked the ball, and it just slid off the dew, and it slid into my leg. The pain, oh, my God. And I thought, and it wasn't and the pain, it was from one of the donor sites, so not where I was burnt, but where they took grafted skin from. And I, I'll never forget it. I just went, Ooh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> what was the reaction of your teammates when you're in the change rooms
0: and they see you with your top off yeah, and stuff like question. that? Yeah, uh, great question.
1: The club did arrange counselling and different things for to help with the boys to, to deal with it. it. It must have been challenging because uh, the footy club, blokey environment, uh, a lot of skin. <laughs> yeah. A lot of skin in the change rooms. And <laughs> here I am, and it would take me. A long time after training to get these garments off, slowly bathe, shower, and then apply cream. Get so it was it was there and it was it was really raw, really raw. Like it's faded over time, but it, it was there and they're right they're right next to your locker room. They're half a meter away from you. So yeah, I'm sure it would have been fairly confronting for him.
3: Here's Tim Harrington from the Kangaroos again. Saw him get stripped and have to prepare just to get ready to train and saw the scars and the condition of his skin, it reinforced to me again. I thought, he's not going to be able to do this. I didn't think he'd be able to play footy. When I saw him in hospital, that was my immediate reaction. This bloke's just lucky to be alive. Mm. But then when I saw him strip the first time, it was really confronting. Uh, His body was in a hell of a mess. He was restricted in his movement and... I just couldn't see a way forward for
4: it. Teammate Anthony Stevens. You know he used to get to training. You know, two or three hours before most people, most of the players, and uh, he'd get himself ready. You know, he'd pull off all the skins that he had on for the day and etc. and they need to be, uh, you know, putting creams on it, and, and all the all the um, the burns and the scar tissue, and etc. And then putting on new skins for going out on training. So there's a huge amount of uh, time and preparation that went in from just to get on a for a you know half an hour or an hour training session, um, and then all of a sudden everyone just you know have a quick shower, jump in the car, grab the bag, and take off. Jason be there for another hour or more, just uh, doing the same thing. So it, uh, there was, he went through a fair bit that a lot of us didn't realise the pain, and and who knows when he was taking those skins off, how much pain he was actually in. So uh, yeah, and that that inspired everyone at the football club to stop whinging about little things and just get on with life because you had a guy here that uh, you know had determination to actually play senior footy again, um, and no one really ever thought probably that he would.
2: Yeah, I think they were the hardest times, helping him to, you know, shower and put the garments back on. You had to be so careful. Oh, they were skin tight and then he had raw, raw skin. And I remember, you know, pulling on um, his his leg garments at, um, one morning and accidentally, you know, touching his skin and he just lost it and then just keeping my head down and covering my head with my hair and just tearing up, but not wanting him to see me do that because, you know, he needed strength around him.
3: We went for some runs together. I remember I've got really great memories of just doing slow laps with him initially and then some strides and it, it looked like his physicalness was coming back. But then once he actually started hitting the skill work again, he was really off the pace. He was it looked like he was just starting again, just learning how to play footy again. So, once again, there was a setback and doubts in my mind whether he could actually do it again.
5: And some great news coming out of North Melbourne with Jason McCartney now returning
0: to the training track.
1: You've just got to play eventually. And I, I did get signed off and it was uh, Port Melbourne in their reserves. It was against, they were the Northern Bullants at the time mm. and it was at Carlton, which is now Icon, after everything has happened, can you still do it? Can you still get the footy? And um, I was lucky enough in a very low-level game to be able to, uh, I suppose, relieve those
0: fears a bit. We are now in the 2003 AFL season proper. Jason is playing every week in the reserves and playing well. I would go to training on a Monday and
1: uh, I'd end up with the senior, senior team from the week before couple of emergencies, the three emergencies plus one or two and they'd train again. and I was trained on the side and he was giving me the shit, absolute <laughs> shit and I would come home and I'd throw my bag down and Narissa would have to put up with the family because it was like I'm getting close after everything we've endured and now the, the dream of getting back and continuing on and then when this calf come up I just thought it was my my worst moment I think because I knew I was very very close to getting back in the AFL
3: but there was a game at Port Melbourne where he he actually tore his calf so he was building up to almost get to the stage where he thought that he could do it and we'd had some conversations about that but he he basically lost it in the rooms Uh, I went down to see him and he, he just was shattered as you would be
1: maybe it's just not meant to be and um, I was pretty close to pulling the pin that night.
5: Yeah, he, he, he gave me a call. I think he gave everyone a call and um, just asked, and you know, what do you reckon I should do? Should I give it away? Or, and pretty much the last thing I said to him was, you, you can't really let what happened in Bali beat you. You wanted to prove a point.
0: Jace didn't pull the pin. He stuck with it. His calf got better and so did his footy. So much so that early in the week, starting June the 2nd, 2013, Tim Harrington was discussing Jason with the North Melbourne senior coach of the time, Dean Laidley.
3: And Dean, who's the ultimate yay or nay when it comes to the selection, particularly about those 50-50 ones, um, he just said, yeah, I reckon it's time. I reckon he can play this week and his form was good enough. But I was just stoked, absolutely stoked when we actually made the decision he was going to play.
1: They told me about lunchtime that day. So um, once again, that was a night then of um, a bit like the wedding, of reflection and a lot of sadness because the realisation of from what had happened and how fortunate I am, we are, and it's bloody going to happen now.
0: In breaking news just through from North Melbourne, Barley bombing survivor Jason McCartney has been named in the side to take on Richmond this weekend.
1: So living in Albert Park, trying to keep it as normal as possible, so I didn't want the uh, distractions during the day. I think I was just kicking around home. Might have been watching, can't even remember the movie. Um, Got a phone call, not exactly sure how it was teed up. Got the shock of my life because it was the then Prime Minister, John Howard. Um, So that's not normal game day prep obviously out. Would have thought so. So a bit of a chit chat with the uh, what does he say? Uh, just wishing me all the best and um, just congratulating me on what I'd done and, and probably the other thing was making mention of just how supportive I'd been to, to others through the whole or, ordeal so it was isn't that thoughtful? It is
0: it was, a, it was a shock. The 2002 bombings in Bali killed 202 people and injured a further 209. Of the dead, 88 were Australians. Due to the fact that he was an athlete with a profile, in many ways Jason became a symbol of the attack. His return to football was also seen by many as another symbol, one that provided hope and some rare light on what had been a very dark time for so many Australians and their families. <sighs> And when I, when I
1: saw these people, I, I saw happiness and that's when it hit me that through the unfortunate situation what happened and then all I was trying to do is not work out how I can impress people, I'm just trying to get fit and healthy and our life back on track and because my work is slightly different being AFL footy and the power of sport and mm-hmm. our sport in particular being AFL, that the realisation of that game had just such a positive impact on so many people. Now, to to see that, it just dawned on me that, gee, maybe that's the first real joy and happiness they'd had since, what are we, eight months prior to when it all took place. So that that was a realisation. I hadn't thought of it.
0: The 6th of June 2003, round 11 of the AFL season, Friday Night Football, covered brilliantly by the Nine Network in Australia, who we thank for their help. Good
6: evening everyone and welcome to Telstra Dome for a match of huge significance. It's the Kangaroos and Richmond, 8th versus 7th, but this match is much, much more. Tonight we see the return of a hero, not of a game, but of humanity. 237 days ago, Jason McCartney's world, that of our country and so many others around this world, Exploded literally And the Sari Club And Paddy's Bar And Bali Were ripped apart By a bomb An act of terrorism
5: We went down In the rooms Before the game um, Sat in on the team meeting And they had Jason's jumper Hanging up on the board there They just spoke about What they were going to do For the game and that And then Dean um, uh, Ladley He, he uh, pointed up At the jumper And tapped it A couple of times And he said
1: And we're here For this as well Because uh, I can get I can get emotional pretty easy, actually. But Dad being there and shaking his hand and that, but I couldn't look at him because I didn't want to be all teary running under the ground. So.
6: But what a moment this is for not only Australia, not only for AFL football, but for the free world as well. And I'm not trying to over-dramatise things. This shows that terrorism, as I said, will never beat courage. Welcome back indeed, Jason McCartney, an inspiration to all.
0: As Tim Harrington recalls, Jason started the match on the bench.
3: And... The longer it was going on and the longer that he was sitting on the bench, I couldn't focus on what was happening on the game. I was just crossing my fingers that it was it was going to play out OK. Not seeing any action at all
0: until the second quarter.
6: Welcome back to football. And the, well, that is fantastic. You, the, the spirit is alive and well. The Richmond cheer squad get to their feet. You guys take a bow, too. That is sportsmanship.
5: And even the Richmond supporters, that so many of them cheering for him, and that it was, yeah... It's something you probably won't see again, I don't think.
6: He's gone straight to full four, Jason McCartney, Andy Kellaway on him. There's only one group of people in Australia that don't want him to kick the first goal of this second quarter, and that's the Richmond coaching box.
1: I uh, might have given away a couple of free kicks in the second quarter. Maybe a kicked a point. Third quarter, not much happening.
3: Inside the 15, loose ball. McCartney, first touch, couldn't control it. Kellaway went to ground, playing on an Aussie. Hero was pushed in the back. we get the free kick.
1: That is a tough gig. So it's three-quarter time. You go to the huddle, and I know there's one quarter of footy to go. The game's really close, and I was just I was just fearful that I was going to be back on the bench. How's this going to end? But relieved when I saw the magnet still up there.
6: And Jason McCartney with the... Number on his breast there, 88-202, 88 Australians perishing in Bali at the bombing, 202 worldwide.
0: The Kangaroos led the Tigers by three points going into the final quarter. Jason was at full forward, and in the opening minute, the ball, it headed his way.
3: Ground again, got it
0: to King, penetrating kick inside the 50, McCartney behind.
5: Listen
6: to that roar. And look, imagine the lift this will give the kangaroos. You dare say, as his wife, Carissa, looks on, if they, he kicks this, they will be very hard to toss. What a start to the term it would be.
1: But it just hit it sweet and knew it was going through, so that was, that was great relief.
3: Jason McCartney knows how to kick them. When he kicked it, we had actually spoken about can you imagine what it would be like if actually kicked the goal? Oh, the result,
6: the result is almost irrelevant. Have
3: a listen to that. Little conversations along the way where we allowed ourselves a bit of indulgence just to sort of talk about what it might be like, just to sort of keep him up and, and just to talk some good footy talk. But I remember those conversations and when he kicked it, it was just, the place was rocking.
0: Can a footy team do that? Can they lift to a higher level for one individual, as you're saying they did?
4: I'm such a believer that uh, 90% of football is in the mind. Um, and it's amazing how and we've always I suppose in our era and North when I played talked about the shinbone spirit, spirit um, you know and it was us against them um, and no doubt we treated it that way that night you know we're uh, it's against Richmond and, and we're winning this for, for Jason and uh, all you could think about is we're going to win it for this bloke you know and uh, it's amazing how mentally um, if you want something bad enough you can actually achieve it and Dennis Pagan used to use that line all the time but it's true it's the, uh, the power of the mind Porter swings
3: it wide into the path of Harris. He took his eye off the football. It bounced alongside him, the companion.
0: Richmond, well, Richmond kept on coming in the final term. With two minutes on the clock, they led by three points. Really late in the game, um, just being in
1: front and holding my ground and scrubbing a kick forward. And Lee Harding was hes a quick player, even quicker running towards goal, and he swooped.
4: He kicks inside the 50.
6: That awards court runs the ball. McCartney toe pokes it. Picked the- up.
1: This group of guys always put it on the line every week. It was like they went to another level just to ensure that, first and foremost, the the main thing was we won the game. It was a really important game, but also then, no doubt, to make sure it sent me off on a really good note. So, yeah, they they are amazing.
3: Quarter comes hard. Big match, Stafford. Two little, two... just pandemonium a lot of relief
2: yeah it's a very proud moment also in the fact knowing that he was going to retire at the end yeah
0: <laughs> Sorry. jason mccartney the uh the past eight months have been an absolute nightmare for you but this was real fairy tale stuff tonight yeah it's uh it's what dreams are made of Jason McCartney had survived the Bali bombings. He'd overcome every obstacle that had reared up in front of him and time and time again, it simply refused to give in. Jason had given everything, absolutely everything he had to reach this point. It was time, in one short interview, in one beautiful moment, to tell the world he had no more to give.
6: Friends from
1: Bali uh, representing their clubs as well. Uh, my parents, my wife has been sensational and uh, yeah, I suppose uh, this is no better time than uh, I think I've used up every inch of uh, my determination through my fitness and uh, I suppose mental effort and uh, I find it fitting now that I'll uh, hang the boots up as of tonight and go out on a great note.
6: Because I've spent, it's been a tough time but that's enough for me mate. Why
0: does that upset you talking about that? <laughs>
2: Um, I don't think it's that point. I think it's everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, to get to that point.
2: Yeah, I think just everything. And, you know, knowing that, um, you know, something so terrible had, you know, happened, you know, terrorism, and that we had experienced that firsthand and, and how it changes, you know, people's lives and how it completely turned his life around and he just had to start again. It was a shame, you know, he loved football, he loved his mates, you know, playing with his mates and, you know, that was based just taken all from him and he just wanted to have that one last game, you know, just to give himself hope and, you know, hope to the nation as
4: well.
6: It was administered the last rites in October at the Alfred Hospital. Tonight he's chaired from the ground an absolute Australian sporting
3: legend. So, just after the game, it was more about opening the rooms up and celebrating it was just a huge celebration friday night we've won a huge build up and let's just stand back and enjoy this for what it's worth (laughs)
1: after it, mm. it was like, it was like the, what I'd experienced being on the list at Adelaide um, when we won in 99, it was amazing, and finally... Um, it was like you won the premiership. It was, it was, and some of the players, I remember There's only eight that knew, some of them didn't hear it, so they didn't know what was going on, I remember, I think it might have been Lee Harding and a couple others, like what... what you're not doing the ice bars. <laughs> no, I don't have to, mate. I'm finished.
0: <laughs> done. Jace was done with footy, but as he found out just three days later, he wasn't done with what happened in Bali.
1: I'll never forget it. 7, 7.30 uh, PM, phone rings and it was the federal police in Bali. And they were informing me that I'd been summoned to appear back in court in Bali the, the following Monday. The man the Australian survivors had come to confront entered the court, as he always does, smiling. But the Monday, the, the day itself with Amrosi, that there'll never be a, a harder day. I, I, I
0: don't imagine, I hope not anyway. Rosie was a central figure in the bombings. He had admitted to police that he had played a role in the 2002 attack. That's Am Rosie inside the court calling out to supporters. So we're in a room
1: away, but we could watch on tally on Bali TV. So all of a sudden, it's like the build-up to a big game. But then you sit there and see it on TV and you see him sitting there. And this is the bloke that all, all we'd seen, or I'd seen in particular, every paper, him and his mates laughing, chanting, smiling, pretty happy about that undertaken. See it on TV, same thing. So all I wanted to do, I was thinking, okay, game plan, footy talk, Glen Archer, mad stare, I want to get in there and have a good look at this little so-and-so. But then you you see it on the tally and it just all is about to happen. So sit through, watch, uh, watch Stuart go through, give his evidence...
6: It was a dreaded moment for Tasmanian Stuart Anstey, the first of
1: three victims to testify. He told how three of the six people he was with on the night of the attack were killed.
6: Uh, when I woke up, I noticed blood squirting from
1: my neck and burns to my arm. Then that walk, which would have been 30, 40 metres, um, felt like it was a kilometre. And there was something... Although you played in big games, it was a different feeling. And the adrenaline and and everything with it, and he was only he was only five ten metres away, and we're in the chair at the front, which I'd seen uh, him and his other mates had sat in when they'd been going through the trial. There he is, and the hardest thing I found that day, the Glen Archer mad stare, he wouldn't even look back. So very quickly the game plan had to change, and he had to become irrelevant. Um, And the hardest thing I found that day was just to deliver the evidence. The early moments when I'm trying to engage with him um, frustrated, um, uh, anger, knowing how close he was, knowing what you may have liked to have done, but there's three or four guys with machine guns, a slight deterrent, howling. Yes, when I met, found my friend. I continued with my friend up the road to get transport. The most challenging part was, at least I got to see he's just a gutless little coward, irrelevant, but to deliver the evidence, all you're able to do, the victim impact statements, so all we could do is talk about us. So I'm up there and you're peeling your garments back and how, how it affected me and poor me and why me, and this courtroom's packed, and some of those people that I met Remarkable stories, and there was, there was one family in, in particular, and they were, they were from down Geelong. And whilst I'm doing what I had to do and talk about the impact on me, my goodness, it was hard because I heard their story that weekend for the first time. And, and they lost two sons, uh, they lost a daughter in law, and she was pregnant at the time, and they had to sit through that. So, so when, I, uh, when I walked out, um, relief. Um, yeah, that was, that was a tough day, really tough day.
0: Amrosi, his brother Muklas, and another co accused, Imam Samudra, were found guilty for their roles in the bombings. <laughs> On the 9th of November 2008, the three were executed by firing squad. Newspaper outlets reported Amrosi was pale-faced and shaking moments before his execution. Today, Jason and Narissa live happy, healthy and very successful lives. They have two beautiful boys holiday frequently in Bali and have put the attack behind them as best they can. The last question I have for you, um, it was unusual in those times, terrorism. Now you almost get out of bed thinking i don't want to listen to the news this morning because it happens so frequently
4: Mm.
0: once you've experienced it secondhand as you have does it change your views on it at all
2: i just don't want my children to grow up in fear Mm, which i think you know they they at the moment they are worried especially our eldest son he he worries and um and I think that everything that's happening in the world at the moment, and knowing that you know it can happen to you because it has happened to their own father, um, yeah, it, it puts fear into them. So that's something that we as a family don't want. We don't want to live our lives in fear and we keep telling the children that. And we keep telling them we'll go on holidays and that we just need to live our lives and enjoy life. And it can happen to anyone and we know that, but you know, life's to be lived.
0: To those who lost loved ones in the 2002 bombings, to those who are still dealing with the consequences and to those who still feel pain, our thoughts are with you. Written and created by
3: Mark Howard. Produced by Michael James. Audio imaging by Matt Nikolic. Executive producers Mark Howard and Grant Tothill. The Moment is a Podcast One production.